0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of HR and Payroll 2.0. I'm Pete Tiliakis, and as always, I'm joined by the legendary Julie Fernandez. Julie, how are you?
1: Doing great. I cannot believe that it is already the end of February. Spring will be here very soon. Very
0: yes, very spring soon. Spring has sprung. It's definitely uh, definitely warm here in Atlanta. I uh, I don't miss the cold, so I'm hoping it will stay, but I, I'm sure we'll get another, another dose here pretty soon.
1: For sure, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So look, we have um, a full episode again today, right? We've got the exciting topic. um, And I'll give you my explanation of why I say it's exciting. Uh, The topic of business cases. um, I'm being sarcastic, if you can't tell. Uh, I don't love it. I think it's a lot of, uh, it's scary. It's scary to me, uh, the times that I've done it in in my career and I've learned a lot about them, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. I know you have a lot, lot of point of views on that, Julie. Oh,
1: now I know I'm a real geek because I, yeah. <laughs> I actually thrive on something that's that's scary.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just don't dig it. I, I, I um. It's a confidence thing, I think, sometimes. And, and the more you do it, right, the better you get. But I've actually, you know, I've, I've made, a, I've been a part of a lot of really good cases and people that have done them really well. I've learned a ton. So it is less scary, but uh, yeah, not my favorite thing. So I'm excited to talk about it because I think we're going we're gonna to learn a lot. Um, we've also got some market updates, a couple of them. I thought we could jump into those if that's okay, Julie.
1: Yeah, let's do that first.
0: All right. So look, a first one, this one's probably a little negative, right? We're starting off with another, uh, big organization going through big transformation, having, uh, you know, some challenges that have reached the media, right? And that's always awful, right? You don't want this as a leader, uh, or an employer period, right? No matter what your size is, but just, just to give you some characteristics to get, Characteristics of this, and then I'd love to get your opinion, Julie. Just being on the front lines of this is, you know, you've got um, a big organization, big retailer. We won't we won't name who it is. Working with a big tech provider, uh, going through very public, um, you know, infrastructure transformation across their organization, multi year, big gnarly stuff. Uh, has payroll errors, right? There's mistakes with paychecks uh, coming out with missed hours. There's some overtime. Concerns people not getting paid fully, some some mis you know misinformed or or you know poorly communicated pay slips aren't showing all the details. So there's just a lot of angst here. And you know, I, I was curious, Julie, because we've seen probably a handful of these, right? I know we've talked about it in the past. This summer, there's been a handful of these big public blunders, if you will. How do you stay out of the media, right? How do you how do you do this and not get into this situation? And do you think there's uh, who's to blame, right. In this case. And I I don't, I don't know if we know the answer to that entirely, but would love to get your opinion here.
1: Yeah. You know, first of all, the first thing I've learned is there's, there's seldom, you know, just someone to blame while folks want to turn, you know, very quickly to the provider or the technology or the, you know, or, uh, it's usually a combination of factors. And, you know, I, I guess it might, it might be equally negative to say, it probably happens more often than you might think. Um, that these big transformations get started and then something derails them. Um, and there's a lot of differences in where they get derailed around, along the way. But um, but uh, at the end, it's not a great place to be derailed because it's pretty high profile. Yes. <laughs> is, this, is this combination or this situation is, is finding. Um, and, and I do think, you know, um, one of the things that struck me about this particular retailer situation was, you know, oftentimes – um, you're doing a broad HCM technology upgrade or technology change, then HR and payroll are tied so, you know, closely together that, um, you know, that folks will have an inclination to say, well, let's do both, of course, or, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, you know, be terrified to do both and, and do one or the other. And I think in this case, they, they did both, and so right away you're you're taking on some additional risk. And the other thing I would say is, you know, um, oftentimes when things fail and fail on um, large scale, um, you're trying to transform or trying to change or try to consolidate and build something new to replace multiple, you know, old things. Yeah. And, and so you know they, they tell you in transformation, you know, one on one school um if you're trying to transform to something that doesn't exist it's like you're trying to hit this moving target right ah, so good it point just struck me that that was a part of the situation too was you know i think there were multiple you know multiple systems legacy systems and things in place and they were moving to a new environment that didn't exist and they were moving everything all at once and it's like well that that has all the risk factors right
0: yeah 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 you know you hate to see this like i I hate to see this for the industry i hate to see it for the company for the employees that work there uh all around this is just awful and i think you're right there's probably a little bit of culpability you know on all parties here that could that could have done better but uh you know in in fairness here in in full candor right we're all about authenticity here i've been on the uh, bad end of this before myself as a practitioner yeah uh looking You know, it it was it's kind of funny now because the way it was presented by the media personality that was involved, uh, it was quite funny. But at the same time, it was also uh, when I look back at that. Yeah, we had made some mistakes, but more importantly, we just communicated really badly. Um, And I think that was where had we maybe communicated better or at least thought it through a little bit better as a as a group, as a leadership team, we might have actually prevented some of the angst um, that came out of the, the, the small, small errors that we had we had caused in this case. But uh, yeah, you hate to see this. So, you know, any, any thoughts on how you, how do you react to this? How you handle this?
1: I I do see, you know, a a typical culprit for sure is, you know, timeline. So I've yet to walk into many client situations or prospect situations where they're planning this transformation. They're like, Oh, we're doing it with, you know, enough time. And then some, you know, for contingency, no, like everybody wants to, Oh, I could maybe squeak it in in six months when it should be nine or you know, 12 months when it should be 18. And so that, that right there is probably what you know, is is a red flag um, for a big transformation when you're trying to jam it in. Um, And then, you know, it's just, I don't know how to avoid it. I think, um, you know, you avoid it like the play, but if you're starting to see signs and, and, and you have teammates or team leads that are throwing up red flags and saying, this just, you know, we are not on target. We are not on target. Um, You know, you can only ignore so many of those before you get caught with your pants
0: down. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And also, you know, reading into this a little bit further, the company was a bit public with what they were doing in terms of their, their, their investor uh, communications. And, you know, they pointed out that they're, they're taking on efficiencies across customer service, merchandising, sourcing, payroll, accounting, right. Yeah. Right. So that right there, that's a, that's a that sounds like erp to me um and it probably covers a lot more uh than just those words each describe right payroll <laughs> alone and and they've even pointed out many many systems being consolidated and 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 uh tackled here so i wonder if maybe there's almost too much scope potentially um could yeah. be part of it too <laughs> maybe being a little bit more p- deliberate yeah
1: maybe could have be- helped you know, well, so your, your big things to avoid are you want to do anything that avoids, you know, losing your workforce. And if workforce doesn't get paid, you you know, you're at risk of losing them. Those are those are big, giant no-nos. Um, and then there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of other ways you can mess up, um, but there, it's still recoverable under that. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, the highest profile ones, because this certainly isn't the only one. Tesla, where, you know, all of the payroll team quit, that was pretty high profile. and. Um, you know, I'm working with a healthcare. Been working with a healthcare firm that you know was not on their first go go live transformation. Right, many folks fail two, three times um, trying to get to a new, uh, a new very brave new world, and uh, that that can happen. And I, I heard a new definition of success from a colleague of mine who Uh-oh. works in the automotive. Who said, you know, well, we we went live with a payroll, and you know, and the the first the first pay cycle, we were in the national news. Second pay cycle, we were in the state news. And the third pay cycle, we were in the in the local community <laughs> news. And so, so we can see progress.
0: Oh, <laughs> but it's, it's tongue in cheek. Um, Good grief! It's, it's no
1: fun when you're when you're looking at that as a reality that you have to then manage, it,
0: right? Yeah, it's hard, man. It. it- these are so demotivating to see um yeah and that's yeah i mean goals right wow <laughs> they're really you know, progressing but hopefully you don't make the media at all that's the goal here so yep, look right. i hope this doesn't discourage others from going on this journey there's there's more successes than there are failures in my opinion at least in my experience so yeah, uh, you know stick with us we'll teach you more ways to stay out of this trouble for sure <laughs> we'll, we'll share our blunders as as we go for sure so, hey let's yeah. say before we
1: market news, Pete, I wanted to ask you a little bit about a um, a new global EOR marketplace consortium that you've um, been close to. And I think I just read this morning a fresh blog out by you to give some more details, but I'd love you know, for you to maybe share a little bit of insights around what that's all
0: about. Yes, gladly. I'm I'm super passionate about this space. You, you know, I've uh, covered it, advised in it, um, and just a huge fan of the global EOR model. Um, I think it's a huge agility enabler for organizations, and I just I, I just hope that it stays uh, stays that way. You know, uh, yes, the news this week. Um, well, actually, I think it came out last week. Is that uh, four of the biggest firms in the EOR space, the employer of record um, uh, space, uh, including Safeguard Global, Globalization Partners. Velocity Global and Papaya Global uh, have all gone in together and created this new consortium uh, called the GEIO, which is the Global Employment... know uh, I'm forgetting it. I need to pop up on my thing here. Uh, help me, Julie. I've forgotten the name.
1: Innovation Organization.
0: There you G-E-I-O. go. The G E I O. Right, it's a mouthful. So the beautiful part is I've, I fumbled that, but the beautiful part is uh, this is a much needed nonprofit consortium that is really coming in with the goal to mature, elevate, and expand on the ecosystem of global employment service providers. Uh, really giving them that much needed support and structure for um, you know through standardization, advocacy, education, and research, and that's going to really bring a bit of an, some order to this space, right? I've I've talked a lot about how it's very wild west. It's very opportunistic. There are more providers than there are. Uh, t- there is time to even go through all of them, and they pop up every day with limited, if any, differentiation or capability. Sometimes, so um, th- this is huge. I-, I was very fortunate to be a part of uh, conversations back in twenty twenty one. Um, with then, you know, founders uh, of Safeguard Global, globalization partners and Velocity. And we talked about this. Uh, they they came up with this idea of this potential for this consortium. So to now see that fast forward a few years later, it's been brought to life. Um, I think it's a huge step forward for this for this industry and and just love to see, you know, this sort of structure and, and uh, maturity coming into the space.
1: Yeah. And thanks for writing about that so quickly. You know, I, it was one of the things that I love about um, getting to know you is your transparency. And I was just on a, uh, in the HR tech uh, virtual summit space here earlier today and ran across a new name in the EOR space that I wasn't familiar with and, and um, had a link. And sure enough, it's popping up. They often pop up in some of these different analyst reports and squares and things like, well, that came out of nowhere. And um, there are, Lot of dangers um, in this space in particular, because everybody thinks they're in it, and um, and, and um, maybe not to the same degree. And there's so many, you know, new things popping up in this market. So uh, I, I'm glad that you're bringing a little bit of caution and awareness to folks.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, this is a uh, this is look. Just a final reminder here. I would say to take away is this is a very much a, a deep compliance service, right? It, you shouldn't be buying this for any other reason than their compliance capability. Um, there's a lot of slick tech, a lot of slick marketing out there, but, but go behind it, right? Kick the tire, see what the capability is to actually execute what you're doing, because this is, uh, yeah, there's a reason why a lot of the biggest HR outsourcing firms have avoided this, right? There's a risk yeah. to this, and uh, yeah, you just love to see the growth, but let's make sure it's safe and, and no one's going to get hurt. So, yeah, check out the blog and, and let me know what you think. And uh, uh, certainly, I'll obviously be keeping an eye on this marketplace. I've I've been re- re- writing and researching on it since 2017, and uh, big fan of it. So, uh, want to see it thrive. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's talk about our topic this week: business cases. Uh, and let me give you a little bit about why I have angst about it. <laughs> so, I <laughs> imagine this: the payroll guy is not a numbers guy, but I don't, <laughs> I don't love numbers. To be honest with you, uh, they scare me a little bit. Business cases scare me, right? You've got to get it right, um, and I, I like. I've always likened the business case to transfer and tell me what you think, Julie, it's like, it's like the homework or the practice you have to do before you can go and, and play the game, right? Like my kids, it's a good example. My kids are, are a few of my kids are the types, they don't want to go to practice. They just want to go to the game. And they're like, why do we got to do the practice? Uh, and I'm like, cause that's part of how you get ready to be in the game. <laughs> and so, you know, it's one of those things where I think to me, it's always been the homework or the practice. For getting ready for the game, I don't know if you would agree with that, Julie, but but an essential piece, right?
1: That, that's a fun analogy, <laughs> and I do I do think it's it's essential for sure. And um, I think it's especially challenging in HR because a lot of HR folks are just not numbers folks, right? Yeah. some of us are, but um, HR plus analytic skills, HR plus number skills, right? Those are those are a little bit more uncommon. And, um, and so we like to just kind of tell ourselves, though, it's about the quality and we want the right thing and it's not about the money. And, um, and it is, at some point in time, it is about the money. And so you do, you know, you do need to do your homework. The question is, will you do it ahead of time and, you know, kind of walk through things in a measured way or, you know, will you kind of plow in, burn into things and then, you know, get to the point where like, ah, I really have to, you know, like, okay, now someone's asking me for this and. Um, how how am I going to spin it when I know
0: when I where, what I'm trying to get? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's so essential, right? I mean, like you know, like you said, like you know, it's got to be, it's part of, it's just a st- step in the process, uh, and it's very critical, right? You've got to be able to justify what you're doing. That you've got to have a why behind it, um, and a, a lot of times you also got to have the you know why why now why why this here in this moment. So yeah, very very good stuff. So what what where do you start? To do this like where 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 does it begin julie what do you, what is your suggestion well
1: i think um it, it might be an obvious place but it's not a place that folks start uh, often enough for my liking and that is uh, challenging or at least um addressing and taking a look at the status quo so when <clears> you're making a business case for change what you first have to do is recognize what is the status quo ideally you also have to you know quantify it and so you might hear you might hear um, practitioners say a base case or the cost baseline, um, which is kind of your starting point. Your your here's what it is now, and then you really have to you know uh, think about what are the things that make the status quo undesirable or unattainable.
0: Mm. Good point.
1: Uh, because uh, because um, inaction is always easier than action, and you know, and there will be costs involved and change involved in moving, and so. So what is it about your current state that is unpalatable and how then are you going to you know, start to think about framing up the value proposition for the thing that you want to move to?
0: Yes. Good point. So, you, you, you know, the problem statement, right? Getting, getting to what we're trying to solve here is very key. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I've seen too, I mean, I think this is probably pretty obvious, right? It almost sounds very textbook, but, you know, the better you can um, show the pain, but also show how it's going to tie into the overall organizational strategy beyond HR is going to get a lot more uh, attention than if you just sort of go in with this complaint, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and just sort of asking for money for, for the sake of doing something, right? So, yeah, I, I think you're right. You have to have a really good understanding of what you're heading off to solve.
1: The other thing, there's always an inclination when, when, when you start to get into the idea of adding a technology or adding a provider you know, to do something, whether it's HR or functional, you know, payroll only, there's an inclination to want to get in and figure out, okay, which tool or which provider, and then compare them. Yeah. Right. So, you know, quick to get into RFP or our five scenarios and why this one over that one. And really, you know, where you're going to get challenged first and foremost is, well, why not what we're doing now? What, I mean, why is that so awful? And so, you know, put your head around that first, because you won't get to the why this versus why vendor X or vendor Y, um, but you first need to get to, um, you know, well, what if I just do nothing?
0: Oh, oh, good grief. Yeah, we got <laughs> whole topic, <laughs> a whole, whole show on that one. So so let me ask you a question, Julie. So before you even start off, because I want to dive into maybe the the mechanics of what makes up the business case. But like, before you get going, should you be thinking about stakeholder buy-in even at that point? Or are we better off to maybe go and make a case and then try to gain that buy-in? Because that's a that's a huge part, right? If you... If you've got proponents, and you've got people who are on your side, championing your your cause, I guess you could say your the, the change, and you've got some buy-in at least from folks that matter in in, in the ecosystem. I think you're going to have a lot better success. So what uh, what do you say to that? How do you how do you do you do that first or do, or do that after?
1: Yeah. I would say, doing—you need to do it first. When yeah. You actually, approach anybody or engage anybody is a different thing, right? But, um, okay. But but if you really want to affect the change, you need to think about your stakeholder map, right? Who are mm-hmm. the stakeholders, and and the bigger the change, like a full HR transformation or a full suite of HR technology or services, the bigger the stakeholder map. And then there are groups like payroll or global payroll where the stakeholder map is just extremely challenging because it may not be owned by HR. You know, yeah. there, might, there might be operations, it might be finance, there might be shared services. And so so if you're a good um, leader of the engagement or the transformation, you're going to figure out whether you need to approach somebody right away or not. You're going to figure out who all is impacted, where might power struggles be. You know, If you're buying a technology, what is IT's role versus HR's role versus finance's role? Who ultimately is making the decision? Who ultimately pays the bill? And uh, and get your ducks in a row. I would also say that you know project management is certainly a valuable skill set. Program management for bigger transformations. But if you're not tapping somebody for your change in the organization that really um, understands and can work a network of very diverse stakeholders, especially global companies on a global scale. Um, you're going to hit some bumps along the way, so and that's not a, a common person that you know. Not everybody can play in the global multifunction stakeholder pool, right?
0: Yes, yeah, great point. No, that's a great point. Yeah, and the change the change element of this we've 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 talked about that ad nauseum. I think on this show, most firms just don't have that capability in house and need help. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent, love that part. So what about so let's start, let's maybe. Maybe you could take us through some of the mechanics of what's included in a business case. And then I have a few questions too along that path, but, but maybe you could, you could just kind of talk us through maybe the, the, the core pieces that you see being critical and the mechanics of it.
1: Sure, sure. So um, when I think about the business case, I first think about something I just mentioned earlier, base case or cost baseline. Uh, and that is really an inventory of the different components of costs that exist as part of your current solution or whatever it is that is in scope. And if you think about costs and gathering costs, they're really going to come in you know, three or four flavors. Mm-hmm. In HR, you always have your people costs. And so you know, there's, there's direct FTEs, and then there's folks that are engaged in some fractional way that might not be direct FTEs or fall into a certain budget. But they certainly do, uh, do perform activities that support whatever your scope of work is. So you've got to think about both types. And then you have to think about your third-party costs, which involve your technologies and your, your systems or your systems and your providers. Um, so that's a, that's a discrete cost as well. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other uh, internal costs and allocations, which we know you might not be able to really affect very much or impactfully. Um, but those are things like, you know, rent or facilities charges or, you know, laptops and equipment and networks for, you know, teams that are doing something today um, and uh, even leadership overhead, right? So so Uh. those are kind of the big pools of cost that typically are in your environment today somehow, uh, and you get a lot of sight to those so that we can start to figure out how might they be impacted.
0: Yeah. How do you make sure that you... You you have everything included because one of the things I've seen, especially in global payroll, is a lot of times payroll will not be able to really get their fingers and hands on every cost. And then cases will fail in the first pass. And then once we go in with some help, they dig. Um, you know, and get some guidance and, and get some, do do some more um, looking and structuring, I guess, of what they're doing. And they find, oh, we didn't know we had this thing here and that thing yeah. there. And before you know it, there is a case because they just didn't have it loaded all the way with everything that, that they needed to. So how do you, how do you do that? How do you make sure when an organization doesn't have a good line of sight to what they're spending? Yeah,
1: well, so it's a great question. And, you know, I don't know, maybe today's podcast theme is going to be scary things, right? Because, <laughs> You're right. When you start to talk globally, you know you want to look for the big material pockets of things. So large countries have larger FTEs, larger systems, and larger spend. Smaller companies or countries are doing it with you know fractions of stuff, and sometimes manually with nothing. Um, so you do have to kind of follow and ask, uh, you know, ask questions to try to figure out where things are uh, and and what cost you can even get at. I'd say there's a couple of different approaches here because. Um, we know, and you gave a great example, the best example, Global Payroll, for example. Um, you might have uh, you know, one of your accounting and finance firms that is covering uh, payroll for a handful of folks right, in country. And, uh, and they do that, and there's no visibility to what that cost is, but it's something that's added on to the cost of your finance and accounting charges to them. Um, it's important to at least know that now you can try to get an allocation but the reality is maybe that cost will never go away right maybe you could say oh, I don' a few hours every month and so you know maybe it's a few thousand dollars and you know five figures or something a year it could be that much but they're not gonna you're not gonna cut your budget any your budgeted cost you know by yeah by moving that work it's just a part of a bigger piece of work that's thrown in so um, so you want to know and at least be aware of um, where the costs are and when you're not going to, when you're unlikely to find impactable costs. Let's talk about it as impactable versus costs can't really impact. And to me, the most important thing uh, to know when you're assembling that picture is if a lot of your costs are not impactable, then you really need to be cautious about seeing a story of business case savings, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, you might have efficiencies, you might have productivity, you might have an awful lot of, you know, less risk, you know, no uh, single, you know, single person's risk or outdated technologies and compliance risk. There's a lot of business value to talk about. Right? Um, but, you know, be real. You're not going to find savings now. You do really understand why you need a business case because you're going to have to sell an investment and budget dollars spent from some centralized organization where you're not taking dollars out of somebody
0: else's HR budget. Yeah, that's a great point. You mentioned the soft savings too, right, around efficiency. Sometimes that gets, that gets lost, I think, mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the end result, in the bottom line too, right? You have to be very careful of that. Um, so, yeah, no, that's I, I, good stuff. That's good stuff. So, what, Julie, when it comes to things like big transformation, right, is the case any different than it is if you're going out and, say, just solutioning one service, like, say, global payroll or maybe just buying – You know, not just, but, you know, going out and selecting an HCM system or something like that, is there there a difference in how you look at it?
1: Yeah, so there can be a number of different ways to look at it. The first thing that I'll say is, you know, maybe easiest to look at is if if you have a technology solution or service provider in place today and you're looking at a scope that displaces or replaces that, you know, you you have a much easier time of saying, okay, well, here's what my cost is today, even if it's legacy and I don't pay anything, you know, I'm risk. I don't. I, I know that I don't have much cost, and here's the future cost of that uh, technology or that limited service. Yeah. Where I think people get tripped up more and more today is we see a lot of big T transformations, right? And and in a big T transformation. There are many different things that are changing. In fact, arguably, fundamentally, you're changing right. how you operate, and so it's not a matter of replacing one third-party cost with another third-party or internal technology with an external third-party cost. It's actually looking at each of those components, and probably the most challenging one in a big T transformation is the staff staffing cost.
0: Uh, staff ah, yes, classes. yes.
1: You know. Uh, so you know they are talking about people don't do the same things that they used to do before. So you know I, I, I will go so far as to say you know we have this many folks out in the field we can get rid of those folks. No, you're changing their jobs. You can't get
0: rid of, Ye- parts of the things that they're doing. Yes, you need to add critical mass in other areas, and
1: so the, the dynamics of the cost shifting in and out always leads stranded cost or uh, unimpactable cost and Really requires some expertise to try to articulate.
0: Yeah, good stuff. What, what's stranded costs? What do you mean by stranded costs?
1: So, stranded costs is, for example, let's say that I, I'm going to take a global payroll situation and let's say I have 10 different countries. Yep. And payroll is a part of the job in each of those 10 different countries. Let's say maybe it's even a quarter of
0: what a person does. So yeah. I might take out a quarter of an FTE in each of
1: those 10 countries, but I can't on the whole take the equivalent of, you know, 10 times a quarter out of the budget operations. I still need those folks. Yes, and yeah. The other jobs. And I am freeing them up so that they can be productive. And, you know, maybe um, I can articulate that value. Maybe I can um, But I'm going to replace kind of a soft cost and soft efficiency and productivity with a hard dollar cost on the other side where i Seeking a technology or
0: providing. Yes, that's a great point. Back to my efficiency comment earlier. That's a that's a great point. I've seen I've seen some folks get caught up in that, and you're right. Um, you know, there's ROI all around, right? You really just have to make sure you're you're, you're articulating it properly and calculating it, you know, at scale the right way. Um, yeah,
1: and the tricky part of that is that that's just on the ongoing, right? So that's the ongoing effort where you know you have that dynamic. You're going to add some ongoing incremental cost likely some situations if you have old older no technology to new and intuitively you know you're gonna add costs right yeah yep uh, scattered resources to some centralized handful of resources that you need to hire of course you're gonna add some centralized operations costs ongoing um, but many folks ignore that or you know think mostly just about the one time implementation
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and you make a good point about getting help, but should should you ever let your provider help you? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've I've been on the provider side and helped you know, vendors or excuse me, buyers with their cases in some in some spots. Um, but how do you feel about that? Is that sort of the um the wolf leading the hens to the <laughs> hens to slaughter or what? I mean, it's
1: handy, right? So Most providers out there in the ecosphere have, um, in some way, shape, or form, kind of stood up a business values group or a consulting, you know, some type of a consulting arm. um, Yeah. In in response to the fact that clients or prospects really do want some help in this space. So it's not all nefarious, right? Yeah. And they do have... Um, you know, they do have details and information, I'll say anecdotal more than anything, um, thoughts about where savings are coming from based on where they've seen them come from other clients or other business cases. So there is certainly some value in that and a resourceful um, project lead or HR payroll you know, lead um, is likely to, uh, to, to go ahead and deploy or use some of those resources. That's a right. good thing right i I do want to mention though that there are a number of drawbacks to that as well um and so you just want to be aware um when you start working with more than one provider you're not in a sole source situation anymore i know many many uh uh, organization that has found themselves with three or four different provider-led
0: business cases everybody's creating their own yes Trying to piece ah. <laughs> something together to make their own
1: business case, and it's just a royal mess by the time you start to get in and dig into it, right? Yeah, so that can happen. And then you said it right off the beginning you know, the, the fox in the house just know, you know, like they're not on the hook, friends are not on the hook for a real business case. So, you know,
0: that's true, that's a great point. It becomes true. So, so.
1: Efficiency numbers, productivity numbers—you have to take those with a grain of, of, of uh, you know, green Salt. salt. So you have to, you know, you have to think about how they fit in your environment. It's something that um, advisors do all the time. We are the kind of middleman that doesn't have a horse in the race. So, um, so I, I feel I've always felt like a pretty good neutral source. Um, but, uh, but I'm also more often uh, in that role—the uh, source of telling a client, you know. Are you expecting these dramatic huge hard dollar savings because you know, let's look at it yeah Is this harder than it or-
0: Yep. Yep. Being realistic. No, that's a good, good point. Good point. So look, to maybe wrap this up, this is, this has been great. Julie. I know I'm, I'm learning. I, I, I want, I want to ask you more, of course, but, uh, just to kind of round this out, right? Like, okay. We talked about, uh, how we've talked about why we've talked about, you know, what to do. So what happens if you fail, right? We we've had an episode on the do nothing buyer. Hopefully we don't, you don't end up as a do nothing buyer, but, but business cases do fail. I've seen it. You've seen it. Um, and from time to time, uh, they recover, and generally they do they right next pass, yeah. they work on it, and they move forward. but what do you do how, how do you how do you recover from that and what do you what do you suggest in those cases?
1: Yeah there are a few things to do you know sometimes you need to cast the net a little bit more widely right yeah uh, and I say that not only functionally, that's why a lot of times companies do look at a big t transformation or um, look at a buy that is broader than they can. Deploy in a single wave, you know, is because you need to cast the net more broadly so they hit bigger fractions of costs and can pool those together. Um, that definitely yeah. happens. Um, so that's, that's, that's one angle. You know, there are angles when I work with folks on the business case and they'll say, you know what, it's just we can't impact rent and facilities and lease costs. There's no way it goes into the business case. Um, and you're right, you can't impact it, but it doesn't mean that it's not a cost there. And to make the story that shows all the costs and then it explains what's impactable and what's not impactable is important to do because providers have to put those costs allocated into their, uh, into their offerings. And so you're, you're not working with apples to apples if you don't acknowledge that those costs are there, whether you can impact them or so not. I think that's, that's important. And then just have somebody with an experienced eye. Take a look at it and see what you're missing. Another tech that I really like to use with uh, with HR organizations in particular is let's look at business values and let's ah. see which of those business values, productivity, efficiency, you know, deferred technology upgrade costs in the future. Which of those can we make an argument for? Which of those can we quantify in some way, shape, and or form? And and what if we take a shot at you know ten or twelve different things? maybe two or three of them will stick and, and you can uh, make a semi-soft, right? Or a semi-hard dollar argument as part of your business case. And that can be a way to get things through the end. The end.
0: Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's a way, right? You can, you, can, you can recover. It's not the end of the world. Uh, and it happens. I mean, we, we've all been a part of it. So that's, that's excellent. So Julie, any closing tips or, or lessons learned or anything that you'd uh, add further that we haven't already talked about?
1: don't be afraid dude. don't be don't be fearful don't be uh, scared um, even if it's not your core competency or you don't think in numbers um, you know just know there are places you can go you don't need an engagement to ask some peers or to, to reach out and, and uh, get some advice and some thinking and bounce some ideas around um, it doesn't have to when it's scary is when you close your eyes and you pretend it's not there until the very last minute that's when it's scary it's not scary if you start uh, if you start looking at it from the get-go.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it is, again, it's, it's the catalyst that's going to help you start your change and get you on your journey. So um, yeah, I love it. Good stuff. So thank you for sharing this, Julie. It's been, been great. My pleasure. Yeah. So look, before we wrap up, uh, everyone knows where you can find us, right? Always be sure to connect with our, um, our various channels. You know, you know where we are. Uh, the blog today we talked about, you can find that on the gxtadvisors.com website. And Julie, are you going to be at any events coming up soon?
1: Just making plans right now for uh, the APA this week, I think, is airing a Payroll Solutions Showcase. Yes. Uh, so I have a session called The Great Separation there. And my next in person will be in Orlando in March 21st, 22nd, and 23rd for the Shared Services Week. So if anyone's heading down to
0: that, please reach out. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. A solution showcase uh, at the APA. I think this is the third year. I've I've been a part of that every year myself. I believe you may have as well. Uh, Yeah. A great, a great program. I did one earlier um, or or excuse me, I'm doing one early in the week. I believe it's on the first, if I'm not mistaken, or the second, I think, or is it the second and third? I can't remember. Do you remember Julie? (laughs) I think it's the second and third. Yeah. Yeah. So, so look for that. And then I'll be at the, I solved uh, road show here in Atlanta um, on the 15th of March. And then the 16th and 17th, I'm blessed with another event, ADP meeting of the minds. One of my favorites uh, that is also here in Atlanta. So two in my backyard that I'll be at the week of the uh, 15th of March. So would love to connect with anyone that's out there at those Absolutely. events.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You. Awesome. Well, it was good as always, Julie, and we will be back uh, very soon. Okay.
1: Thanks. Steve. Take care Thanks everybody.
0: everyone.